and welcome back to the Keeping It Together podcast. I'm Sabrina. And I'm Alyssa, and welcome to episode 3.6! Thank you guys so much for sticking with us this season. We just rounded out our dating mini-series, which was absolutely fabulous. You guys, we can't thank you enough for submitting all your questions, all your stories, everything with it. It was so successful. We might just have to do another one. It was really good. I loved spilling all the tea. It was truly magical. Um, We're really excited for today's episode. We wanted to bring a very special guest with us for this topic with everything that's going on in the world, an upcoming presidential election, the U.S. Postal Service is on fire, everything happening. We wanted to do a special edition of Modern Voting and Politics, and we're really, really excited with a very special guest with us uh, today. Everybody, please welcome Donovan. Hi. Hi, Alyssa. Hi, Sabrina. Hello. Hey, Donovan. Welcome to the show. We're so excited to have you here. This has been a much anticipated episode, one, because it's a shit show with voting and politics and everything going on in the world. But two, it's your first time on the show. Yes. Thank you for having me. I look forward to uh, the podcast today. I'm so excited. (laughs) We have so much to talk about, so much to get through. But I think it's time to start with our favorite segment, Sabrina. What's your, your struggle? We're trying to do this thing where we sync up our voices together in the studio. It works seamlessly. See, okay, so I'm virtually record, it never works out. So here's the deal. Uh, in case, uh, just so the listeners know. So we were going to go into the studio today, but due to scheduling complications on my end, We couldn't go in. So we're doing virtual recording. So I'm sitting in my room in the apartment because, yes, I'm back in New York. And Alyssa's sitting in another room across the apartment. We're in the building. But we're not together. We in the building. (laughs) But anyway, Donovan, this is our favorite segment. This is all about the highs and lows that have happened. But we're focusing on the lows. We're focusing on that thing that was like, wow, fuck this. I'm over this. This was a struggle this week. So, Donovan, what is your struggle? Uh, I would say just doing law school online this year. I'm in my final year at Michigan State, and it's been quite a struggle having wow. to do all of the work from home. I'm like a busybody, and I like to see people and do stuff. Um, so not being able to like to go to the library or coffee shop and like get my work done there because of COVID, uh, it just makes it really hard to stay focused doing all this yeah. work in the apartment. Oh my gosh, I can't even imagine when it's like e-learning. I'm so glad I'm done with school. Every time I think I want to go and get back my master's or something like that, I'm like, mm, nope. So what has e-learning been like? Like how you're obviously in classes right now. What yeah, is it like well, with yeah. and whatnot? Some of my classes are asynchronous, so I'm just doing them kind of as you go. Those are like more of like the typical undergrad online classes, which is mm-hmm. weird in law school because that, that's not usually a thing. Um, and then some of them they do over zoom live, but one of my profs, like, doesn't, he doesn't even have us like video in, he just talks the time, which I'm like, that's great. Uh, you know, no interaction at all, which to be honest, isn't the worst thing. But at the same time, I'm like, this is really hard to pay attention to. I'm just going to put the TV on and like watch RuPaul during this. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Cause that's usually what I do in a really bad work meeting. I just turn on RuPaul. Damn, that's a struggle. I mean, listen, you're doing the damn thing. You're about to graduate and become one of America's best lawyers and my lawyer. So it's going to be fabulous. And I can't (laughs) wait. 
I'm so excited for you. Thank uh, you. Uh, let's just jump right into it. We have a lot of shit to talk about, but I think before we kind of talk about where we're at today, we need to really figure out how did we get here? How did we get an absolute idiot, racist, xenophobe in office when eight years ago we had hope, we had change, we had promise. It may have not been perfect, but at least we had somebody who who gave us uh, something to believe in. Even if we didn't like it, he cared. So I think let's start with how Obama got elected and kind of walk through that entire process, right? So I think really with um, Obama, the, the primary reason he was elected was, look, we were coming off of a recession with the George W. Bush presidency. I think a lot of people had lost hope at several points during the Bush presidency or W. Bush presidency, rather, um, you know, because of 9-11, the wars that ensued in the Middle East, and then obviously the Great Recession that kind of the tail end of housing market crash, like uh, everything. People lost their homes. Um, People were just looking for someone to kind of cling to that they can actually uh, have some hope for and know that things would actually change. And really, Obama did a wonderful job communicating that message. And obviously, that's why he was, you know, elected twice, um, because people did believe in him. People did think that he was the right person to bring that change. Well, he also was just this really influential, motivational speaker. Like every time he spoke, it didn't matter what he said. Everybody paid attention. Everybody was dialed in, ready to hear it because he just spoke with such confidence mm-hmm. and just made it made it seem like we knew it was going to be okay. Even if it was going to be a struggle, like he was going to fix it and it was going to all somehow work itself out. Well, yeah, I think the big thing with Obama is that he had a lot of empathy. Yes. You know, so he really, he related to people. When shit got bad, like, he was like, I am so sorry. And when he fucked up, like, he would admit when he did wrong, you know? And I think that's important because, you know, when we, when I look at a leader, um, I know this is not necessarily the current GOP party, but (laughs) when I I look at a leader, I think of someone who's calming, who wants to bring people together together. Um, and who can kind of even put political differences aside. Um, I don't really look for someone who wants to divide, tear people apart, point the finger. Um, I don't know of any leadership, like book, class, anything that would say that that's the right thing to do is point the finger, is blame others, is look back to the previous presidency and blame them, even though he's been in office for four years now. So it's It's all a tactic for us to not look at what he's doing because he knows he's fucking up. He's he knows what he's doing is not right. He doesn't know. He knows he knows he doesn't know what he's doing. Exactly. No, none of them do. But I think what's like, really, it still blows my mind to this day is actually how he got elected. So I think now let's kind of talk about how did Donald Trump get elected? Why did this actually happen? And we could, like, the biggest thing to note with all of this is we could have prevented this. This could have been so preventable. That's what pisses me off. Well, I think people seriously thought he wasn't going to win. I mean, in the polls leading up to the election, Hillary Clinton was 
leading. And even in the election, Hillary Clinton won the popular vote by like a lot. Right. But when it comes to a presidential election, and this is something important to talk about, the popular vote doesn't vote the person in office. The people that vote that person in office is the electoral college. While the popular vote helps, I think it sways those who are in the electoral college to kind of like go with their constituents and like vote for the one that their district or whatever is voting for. It ultimately doesn't put that person in office. Well, and I think, you know, you bring up two valid points. So one, how did he get there? And two, um, you know, what was the actual means to him getting elected? So in the first part, I would say the one shortfall probably with the Obama presidency was, especially near the end, there was a lot of division. And now here's the thing. I am not the one to ascribe to people who think that Obama himself was the reason why everyone became divided. I think it more so just was the climate that we were in and the fact that Obama was doing very bold things during his presidency. And let's be real, when you do bold things, Mm -hmm. don't like change. Um, you know, especially older generations, they have a, they struggle with, um, you know, realizing that type of change. But also, I had a younger generation that didn't quite understand the importance of voting. Mm-hmm. And so at all of the polls, um, you know, the statistical data that's out there says that the young folk did not get out to vote. Oh, and yeah. I think what Sabrina said was spot on. They did not think he would get elected. I think most of us were like, eh, that's a joke. And obviously, yeah, yeah. you know, Hillary got, you know, the popular vote by like, you know, 3 million or whatever it was. I can't remember the exact number. But so I think a lot of people were like, oh, she has this in the bag, this and that. But they didn't stop to consider, one, how is our, uh, you know, how how are our elections set up? Um, to elect the president. But number two, um, what if he does get elected? I don't think a lot of the younger uh, folk, including people our age, realized the veracity of what was going on. Oh, I knew. I knew knew it was going to be a train wreck if he got elected. But to go on to your point, Donovan, I mean, there are a lot of people in this country that don't actually think that their vote counts. Like one of my good friends from high school, you said that his dad registered to vote for this election for like the first time in like 20 years so huge and it's it's amazing because we are one of the only you know places in the world that still does voting that still has a democracy like this you know Mm -hmm. i mean i'll be real when that election happened i didn't vote i fucked up and i voted local for florida but the time i was living in ohio so i was like none of this really matters to me. Like I'm going to move anyways. Why am I going to vote for someone that's not going to affect me? Because I was still technically a Floridian. I had a Florida driver's license. I was registered to vote in Florida. I was living in Ohio in my senior year. I'm like, none of this matters because I'm going to move anyways. Idiotic thinking. Well, you know, it it happens though. It happens. You can't, you can't, you know, beat yourself up at the end of the day. I think a lot of people were in your shoes, Alyssa. I think a lot of people were just trying to, you know, get by day to day. I know we were in school, most of us back then. So it was like, we were just trying to kind of figure life out at that point. There was so much going on and so much noise. I did vote in the primaries 
I did vote Hillary Clinton um, as in in the primary elections in Florida, but when it came to the presidential, I was like, oh, I didn't request a mail-in ballot. Oh, well, whatever. I'm sure it's not going to be that big of a deal. Well, <laughs> clearly no. <laughs> <laughs> I think the, the, the second thing, though, uh, turning to the electoral college piece, well, that's another thing. You know, I taught government and I taught social studies when I was a teacher back in the day, which wasn't that long ago now. But, so. <laughs> the whole like what two three years ago but um regardless that was something that was hard for kids to wrap their head around i remember that when i used to teach it people were like what like why 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 do we do this and you know it's tough to take a position on that because on one side i understand where they're coming from with the electoral college because People from areas that are smaller and, you know, our country's huge. Our country's, you know, bigger than most countries. That being said, it's very spread out, too, and the people are spread out. So I think the point of it was, even if you live in a small town, your voice is going to be heard. Well, here's the thing, and maybe I guess I am taking a position. That's, you know, I'm bold myself. (laughs) Let's be real. Think about like in any organization, you have to caucus and get people on your side. Well, guess what? Sometimes that's going to require you to, you know, get out of your little bubble in your small town and go convince people in the big town why they should vote for X, Y, and Z. Why do they get some type of advantage being in the small town uh, with, you know, uh, 10,000 people? Whereas you have a city like Chicago, New York, LA, San Francisco, Seattle that are gigantic. Well, guess what? There's a reason why it's gigantic. There's a reason why those cities have attracted so many people. And there's a reason then why that they have more of a majority of that vote. So my, my somewhat opinion on it, I guess you could say. Well, I mean, that was the whole essence of why the electoral college was set up at, at the very beginning, because there were areas that had very smaller populations and at the time, you know, when Massachusetts, you know, that size of the state is significantly smaller than Texas. So obviously there's going to be difference in representatives for each of those states. But now I think when we look at where people are living in 2020 versus 1900, there is a vast difference of people who lived in Dallas, Texas versus people who live in Boston, Massachusetts, or people who live in New York or San Francisco. And I think my personal take on it is the electoral college needs to go the fuck away. I'm over it. Like we all know at this point, it doesn't do us any good because state and local elections are a thing though, too, because guess what? You still have a voice in those small towns in your state. Oh yeah. Voice in your small towns, in your local elections. Oh, yeah. And, you know, some people oh, yeah. might be like, well, they should have it in national or, you know, national nationwide elections too. Well, guess what? At the end of the day, the nation is made up of so many different kinds of people. And I think we're doing those, those uh, the diversity of people and minds uh, disservice by yep. basically saying, oh, we're going to go based off of some like arbitrary number that we created. Um, yeah with these delegates that might not even really, you know, I don't know off the top of my head for certain states. Like my guess is um, there are some delegates that make up a very small group of people. For example, in Texas, Texas has 
countless delegates. Um, so does California. Mm-hmm. Two states probably have some areas that have like really small um, population sizes, yet they somehow make up like one electoral vote. Whereas, you know, then you have these other areas like Dallas, for example, or like uh, Los Angeles, California, that, you know, might might end up getting like the same one electoral vote. How does that make any sense? Yeah, that, that doesn't make sense to me at all. Like, I don't understand how they split it up in the first place. Like maybe electoral college made sense when we first became a country, like I back then. That. But like with everything, everything changes. Yeah. You know? Well, that's also why the census is so important and people forget about that is the number of representatives you have can change based on the population of that area. And if in four years that population has tripled, of course they're going to reevaluate. Maybe we do need to have another representative in this area now. And all of these things tie in together. And I think I think going back on like what the same are there exactly what you just said you hit the nail on the head it's we already have these safeguards in place we don't need this extra it's not really a safeguard the electoral mm-hmm. college. it's like at this point like it's really a disservice and think about it this is why we got into this mess to begin with and i hate to even go back even further because i like george w bush as a person but let's be real right. al gore yeah. the same situation and Alyssa, god bless your state of florida uh, your home state, or original home state. Over. They're they're the the one state that always seems to be. That I held on to Florida residency for as long as I could because we're such a swing state, and mm-hmm. it's and I know Serena, that's why you hold on to your Ohio residency because Ohio is also a swing state. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Ohio's gotten a little more red, at least as of late. Um. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Being back in my hometown, my hometown is so red. There are Confederate flags everywhere, but we were in the okay. Union. I don't understand. All right, tangent done. Okay. done. <laughs> Sorry, it's been a lot at home. But yeah, I mean, Ohio is definitely going into the red. And I, I mean, I guess I don't understand. Like when I was home, I got into a lot of political arguments with but people. Here's the thing. Would they be red, though, if they were on the electoral, uh, if we weren't using the electoral college? Because let's think about it. The three C's, well, maybe not Cincinnati, but Cleveland and Columbus are very blue, are yeah. very blue. I mean, you but- I guess see someone on high street going down with a Confederate flag. Oh hell like, no, they're gonna get shot. Well, are you in like no? That's not. You know, think like Mineral Ridge. That was a coal miners town, right? Like that was a oh, town that was very set in old mindsets. My town isn't even a town. I found out. So we're gonna do the what? census, and they're making a big deal out of it. My area in which I live is literally just a census zone. What? Like, oh. we, don't, we don't have, like, a mayor or anything like that. Like, we don't have anything like God. that. What? We don't have a mayor. Like, so you just have, never know this. Have, like, land. We are so small. I think they said oh. in the last census there were, like, 4,000 residents in Middle Ridge. Like, that's oh it. Oh, God. Wow. We're small. Uh, but, I mean, that's a lot of Ohio. There are a lot of small areas like that. Those very rural areas. Malaysia. And they're, they're very conservative religious areas one of the biggest arguments i was getting into with people is that they want to label the democratic party as socialist baby killers and go on the whole abortion tangent i got into so many arguments with people 
You bring up a valid point, though, with regard, and we're obvious, I'm not going to go down the abortion. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, I just find it funny that all of a sudden, that's what when people hear the word Democrat, that's the only thing they think of. Yeah, yeah. It's, like, it's like if Democrats get elected, the babies are just going to get thrown into like the like into like a pit or something like that. Like, no, they just want women to have a choice. Not respect. I mean, at the end of the day. I respect a woman's decision regardless of what it is. It's not my job to decide that. And that's all I think most Democrats want. It's like you said, Sabrina, it's not that Democrats want to throw babies in a pit. It's more of, listen, women are the ones birthing these kids. They get to choose what's going on. I don't think a guy should have any say and what's going on with the baby? Because it's like, do you create that baby, sir? No? Great. Are you pregnant for nine months? To the side, take several seats. Because at the end of the day, you don't have to go through the pain and agony of birthing a kid. And you also don't even know what that woman went through to even get to the point to, um, you know, have that kid. Was she raped? Did she have, uh, was that baby even supposed to happen? Mm -hmm. What are the life circumstances? And let's be real. I'm in a family law class right now. The first thing we covered in the first week of family law, and I love that she covered this, it's, 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 it, uh, it's a marriage and divorce class. She said the women are always at a, at a disadvantage. The women are always the caretakers mo nine times out of 10, and okay. women end up making less money in their lifetimes because yeah. of that. So yeah. don't say that it doesn't affect women and that they don't get to choose what they want to do with their life. Guess what? They do. And yeah. Like so fixated on this one word and this one thing yeah. that they make it seem like that's all that this whole policy is about, right? The whole pro-life, pro-choice argument is wild to me because really a lot of these people, they aren't really pro-life. They're pro-baby because they don't want to help out schools. They don't want to help out women's health care. They don't want to help out the planet like with climate change. Yeah. Like They don't want to do these things that make things better for future generations or like um, you know, be a foster parent or something like that. Like they don't want to do that. They just want the baby mm -hmm. to be born. And I've even challenged people on that. I said that to a guy on a Facebook post and, um, he was like, well, a woman has a right to keep her legs closed or whatever. And I was like, you know what? Like, there's the problem right there. You just have no respect for women. So you're not willing to see their side. Exactly. And you don't even want to take care of the kid. It's like, well, guess what? You know, what they, happens after that baby's born? Yeah, exactly. What happens? What what are, what are you going to do to provide for that kid? I mean, yeah. we don't even have a good healthcare system in our country to the point where I can believe in it to think that it would take care of that child if the mother couldn't herself. So exactly. that's problematic. I mean, these are all the things, though: abortion, healthcare, um, access to uh, college, mm -hmm. different things that. The Democrats are trying to address. They are trying to come up with solutions. And mind you, even within the Democratic Party, there's a heated debate of what would be the best means to an end to kind of get to our goal of taking care of those needs. But that's a good fight to have. That's a healthy debate mm -hmm. to have. This is the right conversation. It is. Meanwhile, in the Republican Party, it's like, take away, take away, take away. Well, guess what? how much more can you take away from people at this point? Like you, you want to, you can't just take. Yeah. You want to gut Obamacare. You want to uh, blame him for, you know, that 
that's that's one thing you know in undergrad i studied a lot about the affordable care act what's ironic is when trump first came in the reason he basically uh almost defunded some of the marketplaces in certain states was because he wanted to see it fail so he was like well if i starve this program and don't provide it with the resources that it was you know originally set up with that it needs to thrive that I can claim that it's not working and blame it on Obama. And unfortunately, people are a lot of people are too stupid and they believe that. Yeah. No, it's like he literally looked at the not necessarily the flaws of the program, but the program was designed a certain way. And what he did was he basically starved certain parts of that program and how it was set up. And that's why we're here today. I always joke too when Trump got elected, I said. I should really get an IUD because I don't know what's going to happen with birth control after. And I did, as soon as I moved to New York, my first year, I went, got an IUD. And now we're at a place where I was very fortunate enough for my IUD. Most of it was covered under my insurance. Um, I have my insurance through my employer, but now hmm, there is a new policy that's being passed, trying to get passed through Congress that employer-based insurance does not have to cover any women's reproductive. Um, no, Nancy won't let that happen as long as she's speaker of the As long as she's there, it won't happen. But that's a reality that we face. Like, you know, it's fucked up that I had to think like, oh, I have to get this. So I'm protected for five years and I don't have to pay it on the leg. It blows my mind because I swear to God, we learned in school about separation of church and state. And yet here we are. These people that are trying to make these laws based on religious purposes. Yep. You know, and we are a country that has freedom of religion. So that doesn't mean just Christianity or Catholicism. Like you could be atheist, you could be agnostic, you can be Muslim, you can be whatever the fuck you want. Um, but nowadays it seems like freedom of religion, as long as you're Christian or Catholic. Right. And that's you like- know huge reason why Trump got elected. There was kind of this huge religious um, movement, really big a Christian movement when it came to values and, and family values and home values that Trump was very smart and saw a market and targeted that market. I have studied it from an advertising perspective because political ads are insanely targeted. I mean, the way you do it digitally is like something I've never seen before. So Trump what? is not anything near a Christian, first of all. What, like, I just. You're going to laugh. I'm going to show you, mind you, I know a podcast. So, unfortunately, I'll describe it as well. But um, this is what the Michigan Republican Party sent me yesterday. Because oh, no. I'm like, number one, wrong audience. You're wasting your money. <laughs> uh, <laughs> number two, lit- literally, look, it's like the radical left has taken over Joe Biden and it has. Ilhan Omar, Bernie, and AOC in it. Number one, you put AOC in this, that makes me want to read it more. I'm like, ooh. I know, right? Number two, you also put Ilhan as if like, oh, because, you know, she's uh, Muslim, that's going to like turn me off. Well, guess what? My mom is Muslim, so also don't Uh So I just laugh because I'm like, this is literally what they're sending people right now. Yeah. And I'm like, it's one thing like, none the the inner soon to be lawyer in me and mind you i can't give legal advice because i'm not a lawyer yet but the inner lawyer in me looks at this and i'm like this is conclusory like nothing on here actually like states anything substantive so i'm like this is what they know they're playing with people who won't look into this stuff and they'll just read it and be like "Ooh, i believe it 
Well, guess what, Trump? I mean, it's the fake news that y'all talk about all the time. It's it's a lot of fear mongering. Like I see people on the internet keep sharing like this gift that if Joe and Kamala get um, elected, that it's going to be socialism and everybody's going to have to eat couscous and praise Allah. And I'm just like, no, that's going to happen. That's a really good substitute for rice. Why are they saying we have against couscous? We love couscous. I don't know. I guess it's like people feel threatened that, that the possibility of an, um, an Indian black woman could get, into oh, office. Yeah, well, let, let them clutch their pearls. Oh, well, guess what? She's in a stand. And this is another thing, you know, I, so I'm also torn on this with the Democratic Party. I will say, I do think the Democratic Party harps on a lot of um, identities of folks a lot. And that is a turnoff to a lot of people, especially the suburban housewives who are clutching their pearls who might vote either way. So I will say that. But that being said, we should want, you know, a diverse, um, group of people in the White House and yeah. it running our country because at the end of the day, our country is very yeah. different. Oh. It's like our country. We need those cultures to blend together. We need, we need black. We need white. We need Hispanic. We, mm-hmm. need, we need Chinese. We need every single person represented in government because that's how this country was built. I mean, you yeah. go to the coast. They're two totally different cultures, California versus New York, Florida versus Ohio. Everywhere is so diverse that we need people in there. It blows my mind that people just seem to forget that our country was built on immigrants, that once upon a time, your family member was an immigrant. Unless you were, you descended from American Indians, you are part of an immigrant family. That's exactly right. My Sitto and Jiddo, which is a grandmother and grandfather in Arabic, they literally came through Ellis Island um, <laughs> and then they, they took a train to Detroit because, you know, Henry Ford uh, offered, you know, promise to a lot of people back in uh, that time. And a lot of people then immigrated to Dearborn, especially uh, Middle Eastern folk. And that's why, you know, there's a huge Middle Eastern population in Dearborn, Michigan now. So in yeah. that story is very similar for a lot of our families. If you go back even um, one or two generations, it's that close for so many of us. So, oh yeah, my family forget that though, which is baffling to me because I'm like, even if they came from the UK, even if they came from France, Germany, Italy, mm-hmm. like still immigrated here. And at the end of the day, this country was set up on the backs of immigrants, and now we want mm-hmm. to know we're now gonna- almost like war on immigrants. There's the war on people coming in from Mexico, people coming from even just outside the U.S. and I think the reason that Trump did get elected is unfortunately there are people out there who believe in those same things that he does. And because there wasn't that voter turnout, all of a sudden there was this huge awakening of people of like, yeah, fuck all these people. They need to go away, blah, 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 all this other shit. And because of that, that's how he got elected. He capitalized on a very niche group of people who were racist, who were assholes, who had no sense of what they were doing, didn't research, didn't care about the policies. They well, just one thing they identified with. I would I would say that, but also when he was running for office, he was different. He was like, oh, I'm going to drain the swamp. He wasn't a politician. 
So there are some people that I know that did vote for him the first time around yeah. that aren't technically racist or, you know, well, follow those well, ideals. But that's one group. I think the other group that did vote for him too were the anti-politician people. Mm-hmm. People really supported the whole, I don't want another politician in office. And I do agree with that. That's be Well, here's the thing. I will say to some degree that's BS though, because you know what? Think about it. When you go get surgery at the hospital, do you do you go have a repairman do your surgery in the <laughs> OR or do you want a surgeon? And here's the thing. That's not to say I understand with politicians. It's very different because, for example, we have several we have school boards, for example, and no one on the school boards, you know, a paid full time employee. Usually they're usually part of the community and they're yeah. a community member uh, who's just, you know, politically active, which that's great. but. There are certain positions that are like that, where you could have someone who just, you know, lives in the community and brings these ideals, Mm -hmm. Uh, or you have something like president, which is like, I'm sorry, you, to me, I want someone who was a senator before. I want someone who was a representative, or I want someone who was a governor who's done something very substantive to give them the background knowledge on how to carry out this position. There are so many people in the White House, Alyssa and Sabrina, that don't know what they're doing. And it's like, it's how scary. do people know how to, how to make a law? Like, do you remember those videos we used to watch in school of like, how so a bill becomes a law? Oh, yes. You know, uh, Schoolhouse Rock or whatever. Yeah. None of them watch Schoolhouse Rock. None of them know how a bill becomes a law. Yeah, like, they yeah. Got There's executive things. orders all over the place. My God. They were sleeping in civics, we could tell, um, which they wouldn't have been sleeping in my civics class. But uh, no, they wouldn't have. You would have woke them up. Uh, well, and that's that's what it comes really down to is um, I hope that the current generation, you know, especially Gen Z, really rises to the occasion here. And I think they are. I mean, look at them trolling Trump at his rally. Oh, oh my God. Uh, did I see anything with Claudia Conway, Kellyanne Conway's daughter? Ah! Doesn't she hate her? Don't her she hates her. Apparently, there was like a lot of allegations of abuse in the home towards uh, the daughter. Um, I just said her name and I forgot her name. You saw what happened on with her social media accounts, right? So Claudia first, when she was on social media, was like, don't believe what my mom says. Like she's one of the most evil people I know. So her mother shuts down all of her social media accounts. Then she comes back and is like, Oh, I was so wrong before I was so wrong in my ways. Like Trump till I die Republican till I die spewing out all this stuff that she's a changed woman. A month later, Claudia then is going back. Yeah. Don't believe any of that. Everything I said before was true. We need to get Trump out. My mom is not helping in the way that she wants to help. And now, uh, and now she's trying to get, um, she's trying to get emancipated from her parents. I and, don't blame her. I would. Kellyanne Conway has stepped down from her job at the white house. She no longer works at the white house because of all of this. She said she wanted to take time away to focus on her family because her daughter's trying to get emancipated. Well, yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, if a judge, you know, has to weigh this out and figure out, well, what's best for the, what's in the best interest of the child, which is usually what the standard is. I don't know that it is staying with Kellyanne Conway at the end of the day, because if you have someone who's that manipulative and who can twist words that much, and especially someone who's just overly controlling of someone who really, 
you know, I treated my high schoolers, especially with the utmost respect, because they really, in my opinion, a lot of them acted like young adults. So I was like, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to treat these, you know, students like kids. And I had ninth and 11th graders. So it was like, even my ninth graders were pretty mature, you know, coming out of middle school. I was, I was always surprised by that. But it's like, I don't, I, I, I don't ascribe to the parents who do that with their kids and they're like, oh, well, they're lesser than. Well, no, they're not. They're actually really smart. Yeah. And nowadays, yeah. let's be real, they're learning far more in school than they ever learned when our parents oh. were in school. Oh, mm-hmm. my God. Yeah. But then also, too, kids these days, they have access to social media. Mm-hmm. So this could also be a reason how we ended up to where we are now, that the media is playing a huge part in this, I mean, this election for sure, because there's information coming out from far right, far left, the center, and nobody knows what to believe. And I mean, anybody can access it, even these kids. So they are learning a lot. People seem to forget that Obama was the very first president with a social media account, with a Twitter account. And in 2008, the internet was still very new. The internet was only around for maybe 10 years. And people are so quick to jump to say, oh, it was so much easier back then. And I look at it as like, back then, I didn't have access to information. I didn't have a way to research and understand exactly what I'm voting for. Like, I remember I voted in the primaries here in New York. And like a week or so before, I'm like, I actually don't know who I'm voting for. Let me see who's running. And I did a Google search. Who's running in the New York uh, Democratic primary election? And it pops up with all these different sites in all these different ways that are very unbiased sites. I couldn't do that eight years ago. If and, I could, it would be a struggle. And that's something that we teach now in school, at least I taught, and I know many of my colleagues teach, is how to be mindful of the sources that you're accessing on the web, on the web. Um, how to be uh, critical um, when you're reading all of these sources to ensure that it's accurate. So that is something I do know that a lot of schools are teaching. Um, and that's something that I do think Gen Z is especially equipped to deal and handle with. Um, mm-hmm. Millennials, we were kind of the guinea pigs. We were like, oh, well, the internet just started becoming a thing and they were throwing stuff at us. And mind you, a lot of us figured that out on our own. And if anything, since we're the teachers now and since we're the uh, parents, we're the ones trying to be like, look, we had to like parse through all this information. We don't want y'all doing that anymore. Exactly. So that's part of the reason why uh, we're stressing on this to Gen Z now and, you know, any generations that are in school, whereas the boomers and, you know, Gen X, they're just like, who, who even knows what's going yeah. on with them? Because I think they're just so overwhelmed. And like, my, I love my mom and my dad. They're both great. Um, but my mom, for example, you know, thank God my mom obviously supports Biden, but my mom will like, look at stuff on the web and sometimes immediately think that, oh, well, is this true? But that's what I love about my mom, at least. My mom like will always like send me a link and be like, is this true? So she's critical, at least, <laughs> to be like, oh, something might be wrong here. Whereas I think like, what do I do here? Like, how does this work? Um, and they yeah. don't think about that stuff. Yeah. I think the one thing to talk about because Gen Z um, is really going to be so crucial in this next election is how people are actually going to vote this election. I think this is a year with the COVID pandemic going on. It's not only is it just a, an influential presidential election, this is probably the most, uh, 
like worst time for a presidential election. Oh my God. It's terrible. Pandemic. We have an idiot in office. This could go either way. I can't say for certain at this point, will Biden win? I can't say for certain, will Trump win? It literally could go either way. And because of the pandemic, it's really changed the way in which we're about to vote. This is going to be the largest in-mail voting we've ever seen. Because in-mail voting has always been a thing. Absentee ballots have been around for a very long time. And I think with that, you have to look at some of the states that are doing it right. And believe it or not, there are even some Republican states that are doing it right. But I'm going to give uh, a better example because I don't want to talk about a Republican state. Uh, <laughs> you can talk about New York. We're going to go. Yeah. So New York's doing a good job. But also Michigan has Jocelyn Benson as the secretary Ooh. of state. She's wonderful. Yeah. What she did was she set up a system where, you know, the Republicans are like, oh, my God, if you mail in vote, um, they're not going to count your vote. It's going to be fraudulent, this and that. So I have two things to say about that. I'm going to talk about Michigan, then I'm going to talk about something that Trump said, just because it's Ooh. it's it's hip, hypocritical to say the least. Right. For one, Michigan, um, you can track your absent ballot, so you can literally see they sent it to us. Oh, uh, they the the clerk received it, so you can track it from start to finish uh, up until the point where the clerk received it. That it's going to be counted. Um, That's a game changer. It's it's wonderful, and you can you have, you need no reason to vote absentee in Michigan. You could literally show up on the day of voting and register. They've removed pretty much every barrier, and you can register online. Like they're literally they've eliminated every barrier, and that was a constitutional amendment that we made to our Michigan constitution through a couple years ago, which I think that was a great. Oh, initiative and i think most states should do something like that oregon also has automatic uh, registration in terms of voting which that's wonderful but now let's talk about trump (laughs) uh excuse my french actually i won't say it just to be mindful that i'm on a podcast but this (laughs) uh, yeah so trump decided and my dad was actually the one who said this and i was like laughing because i'm like oh my god this is what trump is saying on tv now he literally is saying like about mail-in votes, he encouraged, I don't know if it was at a press conference, my dad basically said that he heard him say, um, you know, you should mail-in vote, but then you should go in person and vote again. Okay. I remember hearing this, and I was like, that's illegal. That's illegal. Like, that's literally voter fraud. Like, okay, that's literally what he, the Republican Party harps on. They're like, don't do fraudulent things with voting. You know what? That's you know what? what? They can go and do it because then their vote won't count for him. Go ahead. Go <laughs> ahead and do the illegal shit. You should know at this point that that's that would be a t- see, That would be a tough argument, I'd be honest, just because that might be a situation where it's like, oh, uh, I, I don't know what counts here in terms of um, that. I'm sure that would lead to litigation in terms of well, the law. So I, I think that's going to happen anyways. Like he's Trump's there was election. That happened during New York's primary election. I'm very fortunate. I I am able to vote in person because my building is directly next to my polling place. We live right next to a school and our school is that polling place for our district. So I'm able to vote in person. I'm very lucky. And I went 
to the primaries and one of the workers said, did you request a mail-in ballot? And I said, no, like I live right next door. And she was like, okay, good. We're just checking. Apparently people in New York primary were doing this where they requested a mail-in ballot. And when you go to vote in person, they can see if you requested a mail-in ballot, which is good. But what happened was uh, it was a huge controversy they're in New York District 12, I believe it. I might be wrong on that. And I might have to bleep that out. So I'll fact check myself after. In New York District 12, it was a really big um, congressional election for us because it was Carolyn Mahoney who has been in office probably for 15 or 20 years. She's a little older. She's 75. And she was up against a guy named Siraj Patel who tried to run two years ago and who did not win. He didn't. It was very far off. And he was kind of in a little bit of a controversy because he was advertising political ads on like Hinge and Tinder. And it was a little bizarre. People didn't really take to it, but he was going for a certain audience. Fast forward to now, his ad campaign is stellar. His policies are spot on. He was really capitalizing on the fact that he is an immigrant. He's a first generation student and he's really trying to make a change for the district. The vote is still not final. We still don't know who won. We don't know if it's Carol Mahoney. We don't know if it's Siraj Patel because of not only voter fraud, but the U.S. Postal Service has still not received every mail-in ballot. It is almost November, and we still don't know who won this. We know that Carol Mahoney still has a 2% advantage over Siraj Patel, and they're about to make a ruling if they're just going to not count all the other ballots because this has gone on for so long. But the problem was ridiculous, though, in this day and age, that's ridiculous that they're going to even have to make that such a decision. Like you can't come up with a way to collect ballots like in. Now they can't because the U.S. Postal Service is all messed up. And I don't know if either of you were watching um, him. Oh, my God. DeJoy get interviewed by the House and the Senate. Who did he get interviewed by the House? I don't know. I was watching. I was watching him put on trial whatever right terms i don't know them right now i don't care i watched the thing and all of his answers were so sketchy he was like i can maybe get you those forms like he couldn't give yes or no answers for a lot of simple questions no one in the, the any of his departments can give any answers and i mean here's another good small tangent but i think this is a worthwhile point a lot of people also forget you know the president gets to appoint a ton of cabinet members that run the bureaucracy that is the executive branch. So people have to remember, you're not only voting for the president, you're voting for the secretary of education, especially her. My oh, God. That lady. Oh my God. That deals with all of the foreign nation, uh, nations and whatnot. This is super important. We are voting if Ruth Bader Ginsburg is going to continue to be on the Supreme Court or if she's finally going to retire. Like, talk about somebody on vacation. Like, let me tell you. Yes. Like, what what people don't realize is that it's not just president. Yes, it's all these cabinet members. And then also, too, you got to be smart about who you elect for the House of Representatives, who you elect for in Congress. Look at what is going on in the Senate right now. They can't pass another stimulus bill because they can't agree on it. Because they're trying to be stingy with it, pretty much. Um, and, it's, I mean, look with okay, the impeachment uh, as well. Yes. And, you know, that I think Trump used those words, in fact, the total chaos and dysfunction. Well, uh, look in the mirror, buddy. It's because of you. 
Like, been like legally speaking, he has been impeached. He should have been out of office. But because there is so much party loyalty, I hate the two-party system. George Washington called it. We should have never had it. He called it. Um, and look at what we're into now. People are choosing their party over their country. Well, it's uh, insane. Mitch McConnell has no spine. He was the one. Oh, <laughs> oh you mean Turtle McSprotum? I hate that man. That's what we call him in the Glunt house. Turtle McScrotum. He can't well, find his people, fucking neck. You can't. I'm done. Well, I hate that man. I don't understand how the people of Kentucky think that that guy is actually representing their interests because he's not. He's, he's representing all of the lobbies that, you know, fund his campaign. He's representing their interests. What yeah. people don't realize is he blocked a lot of things for Obama. Like Obama could have gotten a lot more done, but he blocked some stuff for him. And Merrick Garland, he would not let him be seated on the Supreme Court. Gorsuch. Yeah. Gorsuch has made some good decisions, you know, as of late. So I can't completely shit on him. But at the same time, I'm like, what? you know, what? Uh, still, like, we could have had a very, like, center left person on the Supreme Court instead of someone who I would say is uh, very far right. Exactly. Exactly. So I think we're coming up on time here. But I think the biggest takeaways we can come from this is if you can vote in person safely, vote in person safely. Mm-hmm. If you haven't requested your mail-in ballot, please, please request your absentee ballot. Do it now. You're like, not yesterday. You're yesterday. <laughs> yeah. Not just voting for our president. You're voting for his or hers entire cabinet. You're voting for your governor because there are governors this year who are up for re-election. There are mayors. De Blasio is going to be up for re-election next year. There's a lot of things that are really going to be crucial yeah. this year because it's not only just voting these people in. We don't know how long this pandemic is going to go on, mm-hmm. on for, and we need to make sure our local officials in office are ready to handle that. Yeah. And that's something we haven't had to think about before, but now we have to put it at the forefront. What happens in January or February mm-hmm. when still going on? Am I going to have an elected official that's going to protect my small business? That's going to protect my rights. That's going to protect our city that we live in, no matter where that may be. Um, and I think it's time to really put aside religious beliefs when it comes to your party decision and look at every single policy, identify with one or the other. You don't have to be a hardcore Democrat or a hardcore Republican. You can be in the middle or you can be a different party if you want to be. The biggest thing here as well is you got to do your research and be smart about your research. So you want to trust .org websites over .com. You want to research if the website itself is far right, far left, or if it's center and it's unbiased. You know, you Mm got to be smart about those sources as well. Exactly. I think this is a great way to end off on and close out with our final segment. Um, I know I gave you a preview of it, Donovan, before, but this is the moment where we do How Do You Keep It Together?, We started this last season because we know there can be a lot of shit that goes on in the world. We deal with a lot of mental health issues just with what's going on. And now with this pandemic, it's even more intensified. So we like to ask those who come on the show, how do you keep it together through all the ups and downs, through everything that happens in life? What is something that you do to really take care of yourself? So I think uh, the it's a fairly recent thing, but it's honestly been very refreshing and it's worked out quite nice for me is 
I've disconnected from a lot of social media myself just because of everything that's been going on. It's almost too overwhelming for me. Mm -hmm. Um, I kept my accounts, mind you, but I just deleted the apps off my phone. Um, It's been so refreshing because it's made me see who my true friends are. It's made me connect with them more um, in more meaningful ways, be it text message. You know, Alyssa, you and I had like an hour phone call um, several weeks ago. So things like that are really meaningful to me. And it's really uh, helped me kind of declutter my mind and not have to think about all of the crazy things that are happening right now. Yeah, I literally have been doing the same, just deleted the apps for a bit. And it's been so refreshing. I yeah, I gotta, one. I gotta do that. Because I, sometimes I go on and like my blood just starts boiling. And like, Oh, it's good to be back in New York because my dad likes to watch MSNBC every morning. So I get to hear all I I would for five months. I heard the latest while drinking my coffee and all I want to do is just drink my coffee in peace. (laughs) So it's it's good to be back and get that little disconnect. So if anybody out there is listening and you're getting super stressed from the election, take a step away from your phone. Take a step away from the TV. Go outside. It'll be there when you come back. Do be get some Zen. Exactly. Get some, zen. <laughs> Get some zen, man. That's the new mantra for the rest of 2020. Find your zen. <laughs> well, Donovan, thank you so much for coming on today. This was such an amazing discussion. I can't thank you enough. You're such a special friend to me um, and someone who I regard as so knowledgeable in this. So thank you for all your inputs and everything. Thanks for having me. I love this. This was great. This was an awesome time. All right, yeah, gang. Thank you, Donovan. Well, that wraps us up here with another episode. Once again, my name's Alyssa. I'm Sabrina. And thanks for keeping it together with us this week. And we'll see you back next week for episode 3.7. Keeping it together.